everyone before we begin just wanted to throw this out there uh before the episode begins uh i wanted you all to remember the views expressed in this presentation are the personal views of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily represent the position of the department of defense and its components that said let's let the show begin Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Air Combat Sim Podcast. Uh, this is our second community takeover uh and hopefully it goes well it was an experiment last time and it worked out um hopefully we didn't invite some troublemakers this time we'll see uh but yeah we're going to talk about dcs we can talk about uh probably the future of dcs and wherever the conversation takes us so uh without further ado let's introduce who we have here we have uh rob or goat how you doing rob doing good how about yourself Doing well. What have you been up to? Anything interesting, fun? I, I will check and uh, make something up that would be fun, but no, no, not at all. <laughs> no worries. I feel like uh, that's how everything is right now. Same old, same old until we can actually get back to how our lives used to be. We have uh, Big Skill. How you doing, Big Skill? Hey, good. Yourself? Doing well. Thanks for uh, joining us no problem. for this experiment. Next, we have uh, 104th Bullet. How you doing, Bullet? I'm good. I'm ready to talk about airplanes. One of my favorite things to do. Awesome. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you guys can all talk amongst yourselves a bit uh, and drive the conversation because this is supposed to be about you guys, and uh, I'll make you host it instead of me. How about that? That's a plan. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got uh, Tempest. Tempest, how you doing, man? Doing well. Uh, how about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for uh, joining us. And then we have uh, Rotorblade. How you doing, Rotorblade? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So uh, the topic for today's podcast is uh, basically just just DCS, and um, you know they released their roadmap or um, you know what they want to do for 2021. Not so much a commitment as they said, uh, and uh, had quite a bit of stuff on it. I was pleasantly surprised. Did you guys? catch all that stuff were you is there anything that caught your guys's eye or uh anything oh, yeah. that was not expected personally I mean, yes yeah well what about what was it for you big skill um i'm more a helicopter guy especially recently and uh really looking forward to a hind i've been waiting for years mm -hmm. and see what happened with apache that apparently <laughs> move uh, a lot of uh downwash in the community, we will see. I'm not too optimistic on the on the time of the release that they actually say, but uh, we will see. Hind mostly is what interests me. And multi crew. That's nice. Nice. Anybody else? Anybody else have anything yeah, to throw? I think the this tempest here. I think the most exciting thing that I saw was the dynamic campaign. Um, I know Jabbers, you and I've. You've joined us over at the Red Storm Rising server. 
mm-hmm. the multiplayer server and you know all the coding and stuff that goes in the back end and community management just to hopefully that they make that quite a bit easier and more natural for us to do to help build the multiplayer community because that's the honestly i think the biggest thing that's kind of fallen short here there's a lot of missed opportunity with dcs and multiplayer um so i'm excited to see that and see some other servers start popping up as well to try to get um you know that that real like you're involved in a conflict or a war instead of just like you know not to poo-poo on growling sidewinder but like cod in the air as an example yeah well i mean like everybody has their own play style and and there's nothing wrong with air quake oh yeah the, yeah no there's the nothing wrong with it. for it um, there's nothing wrong with it it was just more like adding more depth to the multiplayer sure. gameplay yeah exactly i yeah, i think uh multiplayer always seems to be never the number one focus and maybe rightfully so i think a lot of the player base is probably single player in in co-op at the at most um but yeah i i the circles that i run in i think everybody pretty much plays pvp multiplayer for the most part and so that that community does seem to be um vocal (laughs) uh maybe because of the way uh the style of the gameplay that we choose to play but um I, i do hope that multiplayer and the dynamic campaign is good that would be fantastic and not just co-op. No, agreed. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for DCS to capture some more of that. Like just with the last year with Microsoft Flight Sim 2020 coming out, everyone doing a run on the market to get, you know, HOTUSes, any sort of flight stick that they can. And, uh, you know, just getting into this crazy community that we're all a part of. Like, you know, I've been doing flight sims since I was five, six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and... You know, I remember, you know, back in the day having to put in floppy disk after floppy disk to install the bloody thing and spending hours diagnosing your computer and whatnot, just seeing, you know, Microsoft, like, get people into it quickly. Um, So I'm hoping that they, that DCS, and the one thing I I felt was missing in the uh, roadmap was, like, making it easier for people to get into. They kind of hinted at modern air combat, and I think that's their baby to try to get people that stepping stone um into dcs but i'm hoping to see more of that this year and next year yeah max always been an interest from uh from a standpoint of i wonder what their goal is with that like obviously it's to dumb things down a bit and make it a little bit more arcadey and get maybe some of the uh, i might take shit for this but uh uh war thunder crowd over which i don't know if that's (laughs) I don't know if that's actually realistic because uh, just because of the variety um, in War Thunder versus something that is based off of what DCS currently is, the variety isn't really there. Um, but we, yeah, we'll see. I, I think I think time will tell what the real goal is with that. All, I think it all depend what uh, <clears throat> the player community want. Like uh, I tried a helicopter in War Thunder and it was pretty disappointing graphically. It looks good, but if you look some realism, I think DCS is the key. Yeah, if you're not into like the realism, you're just into, you know, playing a game, then War Thunder is where it's at. But there's a very niche market for the realism. Yeah, but that, that's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping that they try to, you know, enhance is just make it easier, especially things like the key mapper and just the the user interface to just get started, get into mm-hmm. the game, and then adding like again, like I don't know what the dynamic campaign is going to look like, but 
things like that that add that gameplay depth, even if it's single player, multiplayer, or a combination thereof co-op, I think that will help add that variety that, you know, we might be able to capture part of that crowd. You know, mm-hmm. obviously like more modules, more shiny, people who are attracted to that who just want to fly like 18 different planes or tanks or whatever, you're not going to win those people over. But that gameplay depth, I think, is 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 important as well like beyond just like hey i've learned all these systems in and out and now i can drop gbus from wherever thousands of feet like oh this actually has meaning now oh i'm, I'm affecting a map oh i'm doing this like i right. think adding that is going to help bring that diversity that you're looking for but who who knows like you gotta they, they've got a lot of work to figure out how to lower that barrier of entry there's a, a lot of bugs to fix too because uh I know a lot of pilots have stopped playing DCS for the amount of bugs or issues with uh, even the ground vehicle and uh, all the dynamic things and the ground cutting for helicopter, for example, that you can be visible like from kilometers and kilometers, like flying like uh, 45 minutes with helicopter and being killed by a fox tree from very long distance is always frustrating uh, well even think... worse is 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 if you have you know a, a, a world war ii tank snipe you out of the air yeah but that, that's <laughs> one of the things that pissed me off more because uh flying helicopter i hate when they kill my pilot headshot yeah. instead uh, to damage my tail rotor or my frame right. or whatever yeah that's very disappointing i really think and hope we should uh, like point it out on next year, but we will see. For now, we like we are like oriented only on release new models. So uh, we had a pretty interesting conversation with Casmo about simulations of helicopters in general, and I thought it was an interesting point that he made, where um, you're literally simulating an unstable platform in a stable platform, because inherently a simulator is stable. Uh, because there's, you know, non-chaotic factors that go into the flight model and everything. Uh, But in real life, you have much more chaos in that you have, you know, air turbulence and a lot of things that simulators don't try to reproduce. I think wind is one of the biggest things that, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys try to fly in a strong wind, even uh, in single player, it's pretty disappointing. (laughs) Right, right. Well, and and more to my point, uh, you know, having a damage model that respects all of that stuff has got to be incredibly hard. And that was actually something we had discussed that, you know, if you take an unstable platform and make it less stable, <laughs> uh, simulating that is very, very, very hard to do. And And it'll be interesting for me to see what happens when mm-hmm. ED gets their new damage model system kind of flushed out for World War II and starts porting it over to modern jets. And then hopefully one day we also see it in the helicopters. That I would be th- really I think cool. Could damage model is still the one that we're using on the lock-on, to be honest, because it looks like pretty <laughs> pretty old. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think the damage model has been changed for quite a while. It kind of just has states. That That personally is what I'm looking forward to, is the damage model too continue on to the rotary wing assets uh like you Are said you... i mean you 
unbalance a rotor system, you're going to know it immediately. Yet we're taking all these rounds and the Huey or the hip or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, this thing's flying perfectly. Uh, real life, not, not, not so much. Yeah. I'm assuming you're also a, a rotor wing kind of guy considering your name. Uh, yeah, actually, okay. um, <laughs> I fly Apaches, uh, oh, okay. cool. for my day job. Um, yeah, I'm an Apache pilot. Uh, also was a previous UH-60 Mike Blackhawk pilot. So nice. DCS was actually what got me started. Um, when I found out I was going to pilot training, I was like, oh man, where can I learn how to fly a helicopter? And I heard about DCS and the Huey and that's where it started. Oh, that's should awesome. be with a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've known him through a few acquaintances, so it's kind of funny, uh, talk to brian through some different channels as well so it's kind of funny to see this very niche world stay so tight and different aspects because you, you, know you know what i find funny about that is uh the helicopter pilot guys currently active don't seem to care if anybody knows they play dcs but the fixed wing guys do <laughs> <laughs> you won't find a fixed wing guy who admits to playing dcs even if they do uh and they're currently serving which i find is interesting yeah, no, wind, um, wind is pretty kind of neat thing, especially like um, on Red Storm Rising server where I mostly play. Like uh, we have a helicopter that like uh, can sling and move stuff everywhere and having the wind sometimes and carrying a lot of fuel, like carrying a load into the wind or stuff like that could help quite a bit sometimes even with a ue you are like flying with 10 percent fuel otherwise you cannot lift anything it's uh, pretty frustrating and uh, it increases a lot with simulation i think but also for fixing because sometimes in some server you see plane taking off the randomly in different runway just discarding the wind or just not even thinking about it it's like I'm ex- oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I'm excited for that yaw string that uh, um, <clears throat> they added for the Heepler added to the F-14 because <laughs> I remember the first time I got into a real helicopter it was a little Robinson R-22, so nothing like an Apache that rotor is <laughs> over here. But first time I did my helicopter flight, and I'm like, all right, so how do we know which way we're going? And there's just a little string <laughs> attached. And it's like yeah. <laughs> you're, you're kind of flying crooked right now. I'm like. Oh, that's that's high tech shit. <laughs> well, even R forty four has the same thing. Uh, I have a few hours on this helicopter, and but R twenty two is probably the worst because the wind affecting affect the helicopter so much that little. I just remember either. parking next to a cactus and having a sandwich, and then we went back, and I'm like, ah, I'll <laughs> I'll stick with fixed wing for now. <laughs> Out rotation are most fun in R twenty two. You know, I'm I'm really curious to see when we get the hind and of course later on in the future um because we're talking early block model 64 uh and the hind is it's just a heavy beast um to to see how it's it's used in game and when people take it to syria and if someone throws in real world atmospherics again if they can refine uh the winds and things like that just seeing you know the people hitting f for respect for (laughs) Watching aircraft just ball up at the end of the runway because they're like, wow, it's a helicopter. I can just go right. Ah, doesn't, doesn't quite work like that. I don't know why we came up with that uh, like 
minigun of the P model because everyone was expecting to rotate the hand and shoot things around and having the fixed gun on the nose and make it a little more difficult, I think, to fly and hit something. But we will well, see. It's it's like that with the MI-8 right now, right? Yeah, also because... Everything's fixed pylons. Well, it's probably just easier for them to roll that out than a turret, so hopefully they'll come out with a turreted version later. But I've always, I mean, Rotorvik, if I can ask you a question, since you're a real helo pilot. Sure. Um, like, you got into DCS. Like, I remember my first module back in 2009 when it was just DCS Black Shark, and I was really impressed with just, like, the, uh, the, the physics that they were able to add, because Jabbers, you were saying, like, you know, stable platform in an unstable, unstable platform in a stable environment but they were able to add that up uh, the rotor wash when you're hovering at low altitude and having the uh i forget the terms for it but the uh the lift being disrupted because of the wash that comes over the wings right, that could be RS. yeah and and it's just i was just always super impressed with what they were able to do because back in 09 like that was just unheard of like you know no one else did that but do you did you find when you got into it uh that it was like pretty good, like not even close. Some damage model side, right? Like you get shot in the rotor blade like 18 times, like that obviously should be an issue, but um, just normal flight, does it feel, how does it feel to you? Honestly, uh, you know, none of this is ever going to be perfect because this isn't all pri- you know, proprietary information they're getting from manufacturers or whatever it may be. This is, this is really the best guess that everyone's taking at their flight models. But as far as the aspect, like it, it's really good, in my opinion. There's obviously going to be inconsistencies, and as we've seen with like the Gazelle, you know, how people have gone back and forth with that, whether the flight model is accurate or not. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's pretty damn good. Like I I enjoy using it. I sometimes feel like uh, DCS has a better model than some of the professional simulators that I've used in the past, where it's like, why don't we just move to something like this? But um, no, they they did a fantastic job and. You know, an, uh, maybe an 85 to 90% solution, which might be what we have currently, is way, way more than appropriate for, you know, your, your common use crowd, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and it doesn't need to be perfect. Like, again, like like you said, for commercial products, like, and I mean, I know, like, the RASBAM has that partnership with the ADA uh, over in France, and they use it for training in the Mirage 2000 and whatnot, but I'm sure they're not going to always have everything 100%, but that's cool to hear that you're like, hey, it's it's really good because even me, you know, with COVID, like I've been trying to fly in real life as much as possible as a hobby, and I feel like doing this and like things like IL-2 actually helps me stay proficient in just like that feel of the aircraft. So I was wondering, I'm not being not a helo pilot, like if they've done a relatively good job there, and it sounds like they have. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when I started using the Huey, because when I went through flight training, we learned on the uh, TH-67A Creek, uh, as we affectionately used to call the all-weather attack helicopter. It's a Bell 206. Um, the death box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that, you know, because of the, the rotor system, it's that semi-rigid rotor system. It shared a lot of the characteristics that you see with the Huey. Basically uh, a scaled down mechanically similar variant so using the huey and comparing it to what i was seeing in in 
you know, actually in flight, I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. And it really helped me, especially when we got into auto rotations and stuff, managing, you know, your energy, watching your rotor, um, really being able to, to take that and take this simulation that's, hey, plug and play. Okay, I paid whatever, $30 for a sim. This is, this is amazing, amazing technology. And as we're going into 2021, like, hell, folks, clouds, like the clouds are about to be unbelievable. Oh, yeah, I think people give, I mean, given the size of the ED team and not just sound like a, you know, diehard fanboy, because I can be critical of them, too, with early access and bugs. But just given the size and the foundation they've put together, like, I feel like I think and I think a lot of the community feels like really anxious and excited, which is why you get some of the negativities, because they've done such a good job and it just could be so much more like for me, like what I'm hoping to see, like like I said earlier, was just how do we get, you know, not to like sit the work worth under crowd, right? But like, how do we get more more people involved? Like the guys from Microsoft Flight Simulator that love to just look at the environment. Now we've got these amazing clouds and graphics. It's like, hey, you know, by the way, you can cruise around here and you can also, you know, drop a Maverick on a on a T90. Let's let me show you how to do that. Let's <laughs> let's do some fun stuff. Yeah, I think I personally think. I know a lot of ED has um, stated that they don't want to include civilian aircraft or, or you know, some, uh, I, I think there was an interview with Razbam, right, talking about they had something that was kind of their own little side project, uh, but they weren't going to include it. If they could include more cargo variants, per se, of military aircraft that lead more towards that and can pull some of the, the flight sim crowd out, like, hey, look, it's, I mean, it's a heavy jet, it's a military jet, but come over here, look at this. And just like you said, Hey, tired of dropping cargo, drop a J dam on someone and enjoy a new level of fun. So yeah. And I think <laughs> I, I've heard that they're, I'm not sure if it's a KC 10 or 135, but I heard that there's actually a group that's working on that module to have like full fidelity multi-crew for refueling. So again, like, I'm not sure how accurate or true that is, but I, I was saying the same thing. Like you get in there and it's like, Hey, you're flying, you know, KC-135, you set up to refuel. And again, if they're able to combine that with some gameplay depth, again, for me, multiplayer is where I wanted it to be. But if it's single player too, where you're just like, Hey, you do this mission, you do some fuel dynamic campaign, you see the map move because of your activities. Like, I think that's, that could really start enticing people, you know? That's one of the big impressive things about DCS that really drew me in is the variety. You can have everything from helo guys to ground attack to fighters to uh, j guys just flying around the carrier or, uh, or just doing the sightseeing thing. It, the variety is just amazing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Sorry, guys, to interrupt. We just have Ultra with us, so we just want to say hello. Hi, Ultra. Hello. How are you doing? Hey. Welcome, hey, how's it going, guys? Feel free to just jump in the conversation where you find appropriate. It's just kind of, uh, this is your guys' shows or episodes, so. Um, oh, and uh, one story about, uh, I probably shouldn't share it, but I'm going to anyway, is uh, transferring okay. from DCS to real-world flying. I was uh, I, at work, and I was on a downwind, uh, and Captain asked, is the gate open? And I could see the airport, but I couldn't see the gate. So I actually reached for the zoom switch that I use when I'm in VR. <laughs> <laughs> try to zoom in and I, I just had to step back for a minute like oh this is bad i'm spending way too many hours too in CCS. i've done that in my car muscle memory will get you, you every yeah. time won't it yeah oh yeah, yeah. 
yeah, uh, it's uh, so so in depth, so immersive. Uh, the realism is so nice in DCS. I'm continually impressed by it. I'm frustrated by things, but I am really ultimately impressed by what they've been able to do with the realism and the integration of systems and how you can work with things, with the weapons, with the sensors. Uh, it just really flexes the aviation muscles well. And then everything die when uh, AI shot you from distance. <laughs> yeah, the AI tank got me. Yeah. A T-55. I cannot, conf- I cannot confirm or deny that I've done that too. And also like being in VR, like reaching for things in there. And I honestly, like that's, that's one of the things, it, definitely not for a 2021 roadmap, but one of the things I'm really excited to see uh, that they're starting to sell, set up for is that Vulcan API that they mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can't go back to track IR. Like once I got into VR um, and it's crazy expensive to do it, right now because of just how unoptimized it is. Like you have to drop thousands of dollars well, to get a decent system. So, but, okay. To that yeah. point, um, I just got a 3090. And well, how? Okay. How? I <laughs> won't tell you the act <laughs> that I had to do to get it right now, but I saw your picture on Twitter yesterday. So <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, well, I'm going to go check. I'm checking your only fans page right now. Fans <laughs> yeah, only thing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I got it and I was like, Oh, I'm going to get to play VR again because I couldn't play DCS in VR. Uh, the, the, problem, the problem for me is I started playing DCS in VR back when the Oculus came out. So what was that? 2013? 16? I don't know. It felt like forever five, ago. Five, six years ago. At least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really bad with math. Can you tell? Um, and uh, I played then, so it was, it was 1.5. The overall performance... I could get 60 frames per second almost anywhere. There were like two airfields that I had issues, but if I didn't go to those two airfields, no big deal. 2.1 came out and I had no issues. The second 2.5 came out, I had to stop playing in VR because I could no longer get uh, 45 frames per second most of the time. That's dumpster fire and we're not supposed to talk about that ever again. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is is that I, I made the switch back to track IR. In fact, I didn't even have track IR before. I, I started DCS in VR and I had to go backwards and that was a hell of a transition, uh, but I did it and it made content creation better for me. So it was kind of justified because um, nobody likes to really watch VR stuff for the most part. Um, it, the, the head jittery thing, I think, drives a lot of people crazy and the quality isn't as good as, you know, getting 1440p straight resolution. Uh, so now I have this 3090 I still can't do it. So I'm really, really hoping that the Vulcan thing pays off because I really would love to. And again, this is, this is me having the issue of having played DCS when I could get 60 to 90 frames per second constantly, no matter what. But those Um, are um, on Syria map or which map are you? This was on caucuses. So I have this video. In fact, I was going to make a post on the forums see if anybody else had the issue but uh when i go inverted in the f16 my frame time jumps and oscillates up and down and i go from like 45 frames per second to 20 but only yeah, when i'm the, inverted only when i'm thing, inverted same i've noticed the exact same thing um especially like if you're just doing aileron rolls yeah the 16 f14 doesn't matter like and that's the thing if you're looking and it's funny because if you look straight ahead you're fine. fine but if you're looking off to the side it's Jittery. vomit comet yeah yeah 
it's, so I've, uh, it's just, all related yeah. to the how much sky you're looking at and how much ground you're looking at. Because if you, look I don't up think that's true. Sky, I don't think that's true. No? no, because no, because I can literally roll the plane over and then look down. So I'm looking up at the sky basically, but through the cockpit, and the frame time is still the same problem. It's something weird with with being inverted. I don't quite understand what it is at and, all. And that's one of the reasons why I've been like at least like past a couple of months been doing a lot of well that because they also broke the aim 54 and the m120 yeah um but i've been doing a lot of il2 and il2 even though some of the servers they have there will get a little laggy they've just it's a much smoother experience and the graphics are still you know really up there so i've been right. playing a lot of that um and also you know right rudder is kind of useful for when you're putting around in a sesta to remember how to, <laughs> you gotta put that in. yeah it's, well, it's kind of funny that this came up because i've been a dcs guy in vr forever but uh recently started getting back into bms and going back to pancake mode was just i mean it's doable and you can have fun but it is absolutely not the same so so my my uh description for that is uh face huggers and flat screeners (laughs) so yeah and and so so jabbers when you i mean since you started there like my that's it's interesting because my experience when my friends were like, got to get the valve index, you got to do it. Just mm-hmm. it's the most amazing thing ever. Um, and I did, you know, hat switches. And then eventually I did started doing track IR. Um, and I'm like, ah, you know, this isn't going to be that special. And the first time I got into the F14 with the valve index I, and sitting on the ground, frame times didn't matter. I was just like, holy crap. And I'm reaching for things. Like, I can't imagine like the, the mind, the 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 mind jarring going backwards to try to like not like just not have that experience because i thought it was just going to be like a better version of track ir and it and it's just not it's like not, there's so no. much potential there i think that the thing for me that um there's there's two things one is the depth of field and flying with a wingman i can't i couldn't i can now i couldn't do that at first on a flat screen it, with track hour, I couldn't do it. The depth of field really helped me so much to stay, you know, in position and everything. And it just, it just throws me way off. The other thing that would throw me off was I was really used to um, head placement when tracking a target because it's, it's completely natural in VR. You want to look left, look left, right? But now I'm having to deal with curves um, on a monitor, which, you know, you turn your head 20 degrees and you're looking 180 degrees behind you. And then keeping track of that target while doing maneuvering, I would always slam into the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, not to so, even well, mention air-to-air refueling, so much better in VR. Yeah, again, depth of field, yep. right? Yeah. So much easier to fly formation, depth of field. Well, and I think even spotting, in, even in DCS, it's easier in VR, because I remember, like, I, I come from, like, a long background of just uh, World War II type stuff. That was the stuff that got me going. I played a little, like, I always played any flight sim I could get my hands on, so, like, Jane's, you know, USAF, and yeah. anything Jane's related. But I always found like that experience, especially like the first early multiplayer experiences, you just everyone spawns in, it's a big arena, and they immediately fox three at everything, and whoever survives out of that then goes to guns. So I'm like, this is boring. I like guns fights. But in VR, like and in DCS, when I'm playing on a flat panel, like when you're merging with someone, unless you have GCI telling you, Oh, he's off your two o'clock <laughs> like I'm like, right. I can't see him. I have no idea where he is. But in VR, I'm like, boom, he's right there and lining up those gunshots like i've had people watch my stream or watch uh you know watch recordings and they're like why aren't you zooming in why don't you why don't you need to zoom in i'm like because you don't in vr like i'm not in a flat panel i don't need to 
probably yeah, the pixel is bigger so you can see it better from further distance well it's that but it's also depth so when you have depth you can see yeah. the line of sight rate so much better and it's just it's things you know in relation to the background because if it's it a flat parallax, panel yeah it, the parallax yeah. effect yep exactly yep well, no, I totally agree. Let's hope, uh, speaking of VR, guys, do, do you use the, or you know the v, uh, VR Kneeboard, this this app? You have to have a special tablet or just a normal tablet, and, and it kind of puts your Kneeboard, uh, and you can actually scribble on it with a pen. It's just I've never amazing. Seen that. Or you can put. I've never seen you that. You can put any. That sounds amazing. Guys, I'll, I'll I'll send you a link, and we'll put it in the notes. But it's just amazing. You have two Kneeboards where you can. Upload any PDF or any JPG, PNG file you want. So you could basically upload their whole manual for a module, and you just press Shift or press a, a button on the tablet, and it just shows on your knee. Uh, you can zoom in and you just scroll through pages or write anything you want with your pen. It's a game changer. I'll tell you also. Oh, there's a uh, there's an app called Scratchpad VR Scratchpad. Uh, you can pull it up in VR, and it's basically like Notepad, but in your uh, in your cockpit so you know if you're getting a nine line or something like that you can just pull it up real quick type it in and then you've got it for the rest of your mission so it really helps as well i think it yeah, works also for non-vr because i have frame yeah it, in it the does normal... i definitely want to check that out please send the link is baltic i've done some of your missions and i'm like trying to remember like what was the coordinates and i constantly have to either pull my headset off or pause the game and go into the briefing and be like, what, what was the frequency? What am I supposed to be doing now? So having something like that would be, would just be awesome. Well, it, it, imagine when I test the missions, I do it a lot. Uh, I, I just refuse to do it on flat screen now. So I do it in VR. And with this tool, I can just write all the bugs. So I have like three pages of bugs I found, uh, but it's, it's just amazing. I'd put it here and we'll put it in the uh, show yeah, cause notes. That, when Cause that was the one thing that, when because I when I went from flat panel to VR, like I remember I started I got into DCS again. I'm bad at math like you are jabbers, I can't remember. A couple several years ago. Five my buddy got me pilots. into Yeah. <laughs> um my... if it doesn't revolve around one in sixty, you can't do it. Exactly. Well, I mean, it, I'm a math major too, so it's like that's <laughs> really bad. <laughs> that's why I started my own business, so I don't have to. Perfect. I don't have to do the work anymore. <laughs> so, um, but I, uh, I, I used to like have a scrap, like a actual scratch pad, and I'd write down all the coordinates and then plug it into the INS for for the Mirage, um, and then be like, okay, here's where I'm going to go. And in multiplayer servers like DDCS or RSR where you can't, uh, in, so, in some of them, I think RSR, you can see yourself on the map now, but where you couldn't, like, all right, I need to use my actual navigation tools here. And then I go into VR, and I'm like, this is just such a massive pain in the butt. I have to look at the map, pull pull my head off, write, pull my headset off, write it down. And then, of course, like you said, if you're doing content creation, if you're constantly pulling your headset up, it's, yeah, it, it's vomit-inducing. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the, for me, the content creation thing really made me push back out of vr um the most i think you know and then and then having the frame issues kind of sealed the deal for me well about uh, someone mentioned the uh the valve index as being fantastic what is the latest in terms of the vr gear that's out there i so, uh, just got the g2 last week and uh just been messing with it for a week now so that is near the top of the list, I would say. Look, yeah, so I think the, the G2 is the highest res right now, right? Yeah, I just got the G2 as well. It is the highest res, and it actually 
runs relatively smoothly because you're not with the index you have to turn up the uh uh super sampling the you know yep. do the multiplier with the, the pixel with density the, the pixel density yeah you don't have to touch it in the g2 um the field of view is a little bit more narrow which is honestly like i feel like a detriment when you're doing il2 because you just want to be able to see more but for dcs like i would have to zoom in to read my radar um on the f16 and you just don't have to do it like you can you can read everything it's super clear but again from a content creator standpoint uh steam totally screwed over everyone back in march because unless you're running a valve index you cannot stream or record or do anything um it, with with any other headset uh using steam vr and uh, because it what, only renders every other frame and so it but, just looks but awful. you have the desktop mirror from from dcs itself you could create no it doesn't it does, no because they, they they broke that too because you have to use Windows Mixed Reality, and then you pull up the mirror, and the second you load any game, it it only renders every other frame, and it does the same for the OpenVR API. And they broke it. They recognized they broke it. They said they're not going to fix it anytime soon. Back in December, so it's really disappointing. Since they're still the the G2 uses uh the index lenses, so I was just like, I don't understand why you guys would cripple it. Wild, yeah. So I stopped using it. it. It's amazing though. If you don't want to content create, like you want to fly DCS, that's the best headset out there by far. Like 100% get that. I think if you do want to content create, one of the best ways to go right now is Oculus because they just it added, um, oh, what's the name for it? I'm going to forget it now. Um, Quest? Uh, no, motion smoothing. Uh, it doesn't matter what headset. The, their mirror that you can bring up for Oculus will do motion smoothing now. And Ooh. so you lose the head jitter. Um, buddy of mine, Tuvas, oh, so uh, in the community put out, yeah, he put out a video showing it uh, before and after in the F-14. And it's, it just looks like track IR versus VR. It's amazing. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, I'll just try, try to stream it through Oculus. I just, the fact that now you have to have a Facebook account linked to it, it just really pissed yeah. me off. So I've been trying to move away from Oculus, but... No, yeah, I hear you. Damn it. <laughs> now I have I'll to send, look at it. Yeah, I'll send you the, the command to bring it up if you want to try it. Just hit me up about it later. Yeah, definitely. So let's um let's let's change gears a little bit and talk about uh uh clouds. Everybody likes clouds. Yeah, it's gonna improve the performance quite a bit, hopefully. You think it'll improve it or you think it'll get worse? <laughs> I, think I'm, it I'm, I am pessimistic to be honest, because I don't think they're gonna make it better, but uh, I'm open to see new improvement because with Syria Map, from my point of view, like I have an average computer and like frame rate is pretty pretty low on Syria mostly, and so I can't imagine with a new cloud what could be. So Syria is an interesting map to me uh, because no matter what you put in your settings for render distance. Uh, it's hard-coded to render a certain distance, that that map in general, to find interesting. So you can't actually fix that map's performance with settings ex unless you reduce shadows and you reduce the texture size for the track. Yeah, I put the texture on low for Syria map when I play there because otherwise yeah. I'm running around 25 FPS and uh, I have a 1070 Ti. I don't have a super uber computer but and I play in 1080p, but it's like frustrating. <laughs> 
I mean, I'll yeah, be honest, yeah. when Hopefully it comes to the clouds, the, the looks is one thing, but what I really hope they get right is the, the multiplayer sync so that, you know, if one person's in a cloud, they said, they said, everybody's in a cloud. Yep. They said that yeah. it syncs online. That was one of their uh, quote-unquote bullet points, something they stated. Um, in fact, I have it up right here. It says the new clouds uh, will block visual and optical sensor line of sight and be synchronized online. So um, that's actually really good news. Yes, it is. But are I'm we really going to release a, like a 2.7, I think, like a new technical, technically a new version of a DCS? So hopefully also performance going to be a little smoother because, yeah. like, like you said, you invested uh, probably quite a bit of money on a 3090. And you wanna? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get it for DCS, but, I, but, but yeah. Of course, I play DCS a lot, and it would be nice and not have to have everybody on one. Got that? So <laughs> from Firefighter Simulator, didn't you? But I got it for Firefighter Simulator. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I figured. In Tarkov, so we can so we can watch Sturman just put the bullet through his face and slow him off. Tarkov saw the least amount of improvement. <laughs> like DCS actually was a little bit better. Um, so. Go ahead. Yeah, for the clouds, from a PvP standpoint, I, I'm definitely excited to see it um, for flying warbirds. I I wish that was more popular here. I, I know why it's not like compared to IL-2, because again, the variety. But I do like the flight model in DCS better than IL-2 mm -hmm. from a realism standpoint. And when you're fighting in the clouds and using them to your advantage and using the sun, like that's huge for, for that era of combat. For, for more modern stuff, I'm like... This will be interesting for like I uh, you know, you know IFR practice and approaches and things like that. Um, but for fixed wing jets, like half the time your head's down in the cockpit, locking yeah. people up on your yes. radar. Yes so. and no, because when you get within visual range, again you can use the clouds to your advantage, dip in one and lose sight, right? Uh, but also it's supposed to mess with uh, IR sensors, I believe. So, hope so you dip into a cloud and the Fox 2 will not track you. This will be a very big and interesting thing to see along with their FLIR improvements that they're talking about. So right now we have a very gamey FLIR picture yes. when we're talking about using the lightning uh, pod, especially like it's, it's, it can, s not that clouds don't block it already, but it'll be interesting to see the dynamic and like, oh, hey, what kind of moisture levels are we looking at? Are we actually going to be able to to see? Are we going to see it slowly fuzz up or is it just going to be like, boom, up, you hit a certain, you know, predefined level of code in the game. Now you can't see through it. Whereas uh, in real life, that FLIR picture, you know, d depending on the moisture first, you might be able to break through it a little bit. Okay, it's getting a little weird. And then, okay, now you can't see through it. Interesting. Um, so the AWAX uh, probably will affect that too. So you don't see helicopter flying in over one meter from the ground anymore, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. I I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, my my biggest question is, you know, we're talking about again, blocking sensor line of sight, whatever it may be. I know that was kind of keyed in on with the jamming uh, stuff that's coming up with the Hornet. My true question is how is that going to tie in with like legacy lock-on aircraft like the f-15 where it's still got a super gamey radar super gamey jammer mm -hmm. um everything else where it's like okay cool i'm in the f-16 the f-14 the f you know um 18 these very high fidelity aircraft that clearly have had their systems worked on a lot and now you're at a major crutch because hey look at that an fc3 aircraft just came by and saw you where you couldn't see him even though 
you know. Yeah, and that's that's such a great point you bring up because that's like one of the things that I like. If I was a game developer working on this, like, how do you balance that ease of access versus that 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 realism? And in particular, like the way I always thought of it is like if you're if you pay to get FC3 or Mac or whatever it is, and you get a bunch of these uh, low fidelity modules, like if you take the time as an individual to buy like the f16 and learn it like you should be at advantage versus like an f15 even if the f15's radar should be technically better like they should i I feel like they should nerf it a bit in these circumstances so that you're not penalized for learning and maximizing the use of these systems that honestly like even with chuck's guides takes like several hours for you to like get a good handle on oh yeah and and you know maybe ed has already been forward thinking in that and we have a surprise coming for us in that in that sense but i have a strange feeling that only a select few aircraft are going to be affected by this anomaly you know anomaly. I doubt, yeah I'm and then, yeah and, and that's the kind of stuff that like in the pve environment it's like hey i'm it's immersive it's great like and that's what i'm worried about too like i agree with you rotor that like in the PVP, they'll add something like that, and then it's like, oh, well, why even fly the 16 now? You just fly the 15 because it can see through all the clouds. Like the 16 is well, going to get spoofed. Or that whatever. always gets back to the thing that I always really dislike about PVP and and online competition. And not this isn't a DCS thing. This is just in general. Is people end up playing the meta game. They're like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to data mine all this stuff. We're going to figure out what works best, and then that's only the thing we're going to use from now on because it's the best and it gives me the best kill to death ratio or That's whatever the work of point of view i mean at <laughs> least no, as a server it's a, no it's not as a server it's host, though, you can pick and choose i mean if you want a totally oh, yeah. realistic environment you can exclude aircraft or whatever you want so i mean it, sure it's like, at least you're not forced into it 100 percent from 100 percent from a pvp point of view we, the we downside just, to, the downside to restricting it on the server is you exclude people though Exactly, that's what we were discussing for Red Sun Rising many times, trying to balance the plane set from blue and red, because uh, like on red side, as you guys know, there's not many options other than the JF-17, and it's pretty good plane, but um, giving up Flaming Cliff, I mean, to cut a lot of people or new people that approach DCS and that want to learn to fly, learn the simulator and everything, and they, those planes yeah, are not no. available. We won't join the server at all, so you cannot have new, new friend, new people to enjoy with. Like, but yeah, Jabbers, you're 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 right. Like that whole meta game, and again, that's what I think. That's like any competitive environment, right? Whether it's like you know, if you look at like chess as an example, and that's exploded on Twitch and other stuff too. Like people are going to be start start to play certain openings, and they're like, oh, what's the you know, the people data mine and look at that kind of stuff too. And by the way, I just oh. made myself a massive nerd here. So. uh I think that's... now, now you yeah. Do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Fair point. You'll fit right in. You're quite, literally, <laughs> quite literally playing a niche game and talking about it on a podcast. That's the nerd. Fair point. If but, anyone here has spent any less than twenty hours studying a manual for an aircraft that they never touched in real life, um, you're you're in the right place. <laughs> Can't argue. Uh, but I think I think that's where like what i'm thinking about is like if you try to drive the meta to uh to the full fidelity modules so like when like that's what i'm hoping ed like recognizes and thinks about because they like if you want fc3 to be easy to get into 
but not the meta. Like it should never be the meta. And so if you've got to nerf the radar, they're already not accurate anyway. It's just, hey, this is just getting your foot in the door. By the way, now go buy the F-18, F-16, JF-17, whatever it is. Um, otherwise, right. it's just going to be like like you said, like it's like, oh, We're well, good. the cl- clouds ruin it. So fly the 15 all day. And you're like, uh. I think oh, yeah, the I average person anyway, once they're in FC3 or that type of environment, if they're really serious about getting competitive or something like that, they're going to want to evolve to that next level anyway and move into a full fidelity aircraft. I think it depends on what their goal is. So, I, I mean, I hate to relate it to a different game, but uh, I've been playing a lot of Tarkov lately, so that's kind of where my mindset is. But, uh, you know, in Tarkov, there's there's multiple ways to play the game. You can go full meta. Your whole experience is based off of your statistics of kill to death ratio. And I want to go out and I want to kill the most players and then, you know, get out and live. And that's it. Uh, and in that case, you would probably get the best weapons, the best whatever. And and that's all you do. Uh, the other way to play it is for fun. Go and have fun and do whatever. And, you know, who cares about the statistics? And you can do the same thing in DCS. Um but it, but it all is going to depend on what your term of fun is. If your term of fun with DCS is killed to death ratio being three or five to one, then you're not going to play the harder planes, period. Why would you? You would only do that for the fun aspect of it. And you would have to let go of the fact that maybe it's, I'm not going to survive as much because it's a little harder, right? No, I agree. And I think that's where, again, that gameplay depth really helps alleviate or can help alleviate some of that when we were looking at the dynamic campaign and you can use like logistics and supply so that because i mean like right now pvp i would argue and maybe other people would disagree with me but pvp in a bvr environment the f-16 is king um bar none like if you're flying anything else then you're you're already at a disadvantage whether it's the jeff or the f-18 or whatnot um f-14 debatable if you've got a good rio but i think the 16 is probably the the way to go regardless and but if you if with with new game mechanics that they add with things like the dynamic campaign or whatnot where you can make it so that you can't just launch off 18 amrams or whatever it is right <laughs> like i think i think there's i think there's certain things where they can help balance that out without like you know turning it into a game where they or like tarkov where they like oh well now ammo prices for m995 are like 17 dollars a shot so now you can <laughs> Like, unless you're a full Chad Rich all the time and you're, you know, Ghost Freak or Veritas or something, like, you're just not going to be able to play that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I play to survive. Yeah. Multiplayers need, uh, multiplayers, multiplayer servers, rather. They need, you know, that aspect of risk versus reward, right? Like, like Blue Flag had that initially. You had a live system, right? And so you could get up in a plane, and if you screwed up too many times, you you couldn't play that aspect of the game anymore. You had to switch over to something else for six hours. You know, that was always the that was always a really cool thing for me when I played Blue Flag. Yeah, agreed. And I think I think having that personal, but also tying that gameplay depth into the one thing I w- always wanted to see, and I've seen tried in RSR and some other servers is tying that into like logistical or supply options where it's not just like, Hey, because you don't want to punish new people so hard that they can't get in, but it's like, right. Hey, you can't fly the F-15 anymore. Cause you lost three of them or well, this base is out of supply. So now you got to fly another 20 minutes. You can still play, but you got to fly another 20 minutes or things like that. You can start incorporating and adding gameplay to us. So there is punishment for poor play, but it's not like, Hey, like, cause that was a big, the big thing that 
you know, tick me off a blue flag, like I try to go, you know, red team would be losing and I try to fly and get bombed in the airfield once. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we only have two airfields. So I've go to the next airfield, get bombed there and then manage to take off and then get shot down. It's like, all right, well, I guess I'm done. Like, <laughs> I'm not so, playing yeah. here anymore. So this so. identifies a really good point. Um, you know, when you play any other game, whether it's, you know, your AAA things like Modern Warfare, Tarkov, when you go to find an online game, you go into matchmaking, right? And it keys you up real quick with 64 other players, however many it may be, and you start from square one because the aspects you're talking about do exist in some servers where it's supply-based. Hey, if this is destroyed, you can't use this, that, whatever it may be. But the problem is, is most of us are in different time zones. So we come into these favorite servers of ours that have those exact aspects you're talking of. And then you go in, it's like, up. Oh, we've already been defeated. We're already pushed yeah, back. Yeah, the match, it's already three-quarters of the way over. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're done. It's been running for four hours. And unfortunately, that's just, in my opinion, due to a lack of, you know, DCS is not a AAA title yet. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and we don't have enough players to make these dedicated servers to where it's coming up. And you can just start a new match, and it's based off these parameters. And, yeah. I well, also I think, think, I think but, you're, oh, go ahead. I also think that the time aspect is a problem there. You're literally fighting a war versus uh, most other games would be a match. Like even squad. How long does a squad match usually take? Oh, a couple hours. Yeah, a couple hours. But like DCS can go on for, if you're playing on a map, you know what I mean? Like you're not, it's not two or three control points (laughs) in most cases. It's like 15 or 20. Especially, especially when it's 2 a.m. You're half drunk, and there's only two other dudes on the other server, and it's you, and you're trying to control everything. So now you're the game master, and it's just, you know, it's yeah, it's a lot exactly. of fun, but you're just not getting anywhere. Well, yeah. that's where I think, like, clever use of AI, like, like when it, again, to tie it back to the improvements that we saw uh, in the in the roadmap or the potential ones, is, is going to be key to help populate servers regardless, like, have that mixture of PvP and PvE. Because um, the, the only game that I saw that actually did this relatively well for several years before, again, it was a small company, um, World War II Online. They were the only ones to do that long uh, campaign, all PvP, Air air War, Sea, well, the Sea was a joke, but um, and Ground War that to keep it going. But they also still had the same problems, like the Euro time zone and all the East Coast guys and the West Coast guys would be going to bed, would be the low pop. And then the map, you'd wake up in the morning after doing like an amazing battle in the middle of the, you know, the Ardennes forest. And then you're like, oh, we captured these two towns. And you wake up and the line has moved like 50 kilometers in one direction because all of the high player guys were asleep. And so that was always a complaint in that game. It's They still made it work pretty well and it was still fun. But like, that's something where I always said that like, you need to have, some sort of ai to populate the server when people aren't on and yep. you know because other otherwise it's just you're on there there's three boys on you're drunk you're like all right let's see what i can do with this helicopter <laughs> and that, that you know like you're playing against yourself and you know it doesn't it's not it's not the same experience so you need to be able to like bridge that in with with something and i think ai is going to be the big thing a lot of this uh it boils down everything we're talking about is is mission editing and that mission editor and i really hope that they put some time in here in the near future and make that a lot more user friendly and uh there's a lot of flexibility but it's very very hard to dig through it and understand how to make it work right oh that needs to be yeah agreed that needs to be as easy as possible that and they need to focus some improvements on the dynamic server capacity because even a big server you can what maybe have 64 people before it starts completely crapping itself out so if that they 
if that, right. You know, I know IL two's got it up to like 80 and then it's, it starts really struggling. Like they need to find ways where you could, you know, cause even call of duty, you could have a hundred people on and, and it doesn't, it's not like a hundred people on and the, the systems are stretched the max. It's like, no, you can do a battle Royale, hundred people, no problem. Like it. And so they need to start hitting those triple digit numbers, um, you know, more, more often. It's yeah, probably so it's a dynamic campaign dynamic is what I'm really. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. I was but, saying that's probably will come with a dynamic campaign. Hopefully, if we are. Yeah, exactly. Dynamic campaign will hopefully uh, uh, answer and satisfy a lot of these uh, challenges that we are, we constantly have. I don't mean to go backwards in our conversation here, but we were talking about the clouds before we kind of segued into a whole lot of this. Um, That's how important the clouds are. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the one thing I'd like to see with it, and I know they've hinted on it, is that, okay, of course, we're getting these initial clouds, but the weather systems and the dynamic weather that's going to come with that, how we're talking about winds, because let's say you're flying the Caucasus, right, and you're flying around, you know, in the mission editor, which, again, we've just been talking about how kind of, pain in the butt that can be uh turbulence seeing seeing the wind wind channels going through you know through uh valleys and stuff i think that would be an epic epic improvement to see like hey yeah you thought you were gonna duck into this little valley in your fighter or your helicopter escape but now you just put yourself in you know a no out situation because the winds are just beating you down and well you're done yeah, no that, that would, would be, cool. be... So that's actually something I didn't think of, like, you know, have a thunderstorm start rolling in if they can tie in the clouds to weather. So, like, you might be flying over there 20 minutes ago and it's fine, and now there's a major downdraft, and so you're trying to mix it up in the merge or close to the merge and do an evasive near these mountains. And, oh, by the way, yeah, there's 40-knot winds, so have fun kissing that mountain face. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But that's also a question whether they, they will do the whole dynamic weather upgrade, which is... Uh, it's, uh, to say that it's not very user friendly is, I think, an overstatement or understatement. But um, I mean, it, it, you can make it work. But for instance, you cannot control how high the clouds will be, and they always are at twelve thousand feet more or less, which makes it not very useful. So clouds is one thing, but how you can control the whole system is well, another. Yeah. Let me let me ask this, and and Baltic, you're probably the guy to answer this. Uh, what happens, or what, what do you expect to happen or have you even thought about this how are your your campaigns that you've already created going to be affected by all this new weather you know you had some presets that you used for those and they work well but now we're getting an entirely new weather system are you going to have to go back and test all those and make sure that the weather doesn't screw up you know your visibility and everything of course that ai damage modeling all that oh look at the super carrier when you get the handlers I mean, the whole Raven 1 will be completely screwed probably in the beginning. So I have to revisit right. all the missions and update them. But that's like just part of the whole thing. So I, I got okay. used to it. And I have to say that ED, they're quite helpful with getting those things sorted out. So so it's going to be fine. That's good. That's really cool here, actually. So speaking of, uh, like, well, since Baltics here, I think it would, uh, I know we've talked a lot of PvP and that's where my head is mostly at, but um to talk about some of the pve stuff because i do love your missions not just to talk you up like everyone listen to podcasts buy baltic stuff it's great but um i one thing are you excited for the new atc improvements because i think that for the pve crowd and also for the pvp crowd just mission immersion is that stupid f10 menu that was just just 
absolute trash. Like, does anyone have any hope that that's going to be like really good or anyone else excited about that or for you Baltic for your missions? Like, I, is that going to help add a lot of immersion? I'd say yes and no. I mean, when you look at a super carrier, it's super good that you have it. You have the LSO, you have the Marshall and all that stuff. And it, it saves a lot of headache to having to do it manually. But the problem is that you only have it for your own flight. So all the other flights that are getting back, you will not hear them talking to the marshals. You still need to kind of include it separately. Uh, so yes, it'll be good to have, but uh, it will be like only halfway good, Got I it. guess. If it makes sense. I really hope they're able to do something with it because especially having uh, started with BMS again, uh, like I said, about a month ago and seeing even as limited as it is what it can do with air traffic control, I would love to see more of that in DCS. Yeah, I've seen some people stream BMS and again, like I'm full on the VR train, so I couldn't go back and do that the last, like I had Falcon 3.0 growing up, so <laughs> I never got Falcon 4, but <laughs> Just listening to what they do with that air uh, air traffic control is like that's just awesome. Like it's just and especially if you were to tie in voice attack, like the immersion level just goes through the through the roof with that. But I, I think there'll be other things as well. I, I guess they'll add a lot of new call signs to AI flights and to players' flights that will be specific to different uh, modules or airplane types. Uh, and I, in the end, I'm quite optimistic because the super carrier shows. A lot of capabilities, and I think they'll just transfer that to uh, to ATC, which is much easier to do than with a carrier. Listen, right? if I'm not Pontiac one one, I I won't recognize myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you guys, have anything else you think you want to discuss or talk about, or um, how uh, interesting uh, is gonna is the F fifteen gonna be on release? Are the, we talking about the Raspbian one? He? Uh, Maybe let me jump here because I, I think I have most information on that. Okay. In a sense. Uh, so I think they're learning a lot uh, in the Harrier now. They're adding a lot of stuff to the Harrier uh, info to get from SME, uh, SMEs. And um, that will then, it's, it's almost the same in the uh, F-15. I mean, it works very similarly. So it will save them a lot of time when they switch to uh, to the F-15. And uh, I think, I mean, everyone will compare it to the F-14, right? Because you have a gesture, you have uh, two crew members, etc. And I'm not really sure how that will be dealt with, uh, especially that F-15 has like 95% of systems can be operated from both seats. So it kind of I think the only thing that it can't clear. be in the back seat is the gear handle. I think I think quite literally it's ninety nine point nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're flying the plane from the back seat and you need to land it, then you need the pilot, and that's it. <laughs> is there a mod for <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> Maybe a long stick to reach it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but bottom line is, I, I think they've, they've learned a lot with the Harrier, and I know people have the qualms, etc. But the Harrier is shaping up, shaping up to be pretty, pretty nice, and with lots of systems. And I think the F fifteen will be. Do we know? We love the Harrier, so that's good news. Do we know what engines the the Strike Eagle is getting? I'm not sure. I'd have to check, but I can do it right now. But I can get back to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, no, because depending on those, like I think it's because a lot of people, 
I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the PvP environment because if it's got the more powerful engines, like that's going to give the F-16s a run for the money in terms of lofting those Fox threes at long range. Like it, it'll be interesting to see how that how it actually flies when we get our hands on it compared to the Charlie FC three one that we have. That's going to so, take a lot of time before we finish the Eagle, the Strike Eagle, I think. Because uh, I think of the interview with Radvan, he mentioned that they are well behind or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Well, uh, I mean, what they're doing, they want to finish the Harrier. Haha. Uh, and uh, and I, I think, as I said, lots of systems are pretty similar. Uh, so they will, it will be easier for them to move on. And it won't take that much time, I think, to get it to a flyable state. So question about, this is ignorance on my part, I, I don't know much about the E. Is the E that much different, like uh, systems aside, but just the plane itself, is it that much different from the C? It has uh, the conformal fuel tanks permanently on, uh, so it has a lot more internal fuel. It has more weight because of the uh, increased systems. So okay. uh, the dogfighting performance isn't going to be as good as the C model. But uh, but that said, what about the BVR performance? I'm assuming that would be comparable. I Yeah, I imagine it will be. Yeah. Interesting. If you played my red flag campaign, there was a whole discussion about it between the pilots who would have known. Oh, okay. <laughs> jabbers. <laughs> yeah, Jabbers. Sorry. It. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't play many single player things, sorry. <laughs> uh, not that they're bad or anything. I just I just don't do it. Yeah, I'm, from what I'm, I'm stuck in multiplayer. That's that's where I go to every time. From what I understand, depending on the engines that the Strike Eagle gets, because I think there's a later model that has some up a little bit more thrust. You just run less fuel and compensate for the weight. That thing's going to surprise a lot of people in a in a merge if it's set up for air to air. Interesting. Yeah, that'll be cool. We'll see what happens though, because you know it always depends on the model. Maybe up at fifty thousand feet, it'll be doing Mach three like some of them, <laughs> like the F fourteen did back in the day. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. <laughs> I think the Vigan did the same thing, right? Yeah, it's just like there's there's no air resistance up here. Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> heat player giving it a little special sauce. Yeah, that's awesome. I only hope it's not gonna be too much OP because uh, I think the main goal of uh, ED right now is to moving the line of DCS that was initially planned between 70s and 90, I think. Because now with a Typhoon plan, we are moving the line quite a bit forward, I think. I kind of worry about that because once, if I ever release a Typhoon with a Meteor missiles and the Strike Eagle uh, being OP, um, there's really no more space for helicopter so... or, or yeah. ground attack plane. You know, this this goes back into that line of, again, these developers, whether it be ED or third party, you're getting into a realm of you just don't know because this is data, like the Meteor Missile. It's it's not even operational, if I'm not mistaken. No, not it, yet. Like, we're talking about something that's 2021 and beyond in the real world, let alone in a game. So, I think I know people have their opinions on the JF-17, but same thing, like, uh, these are yeah. new technologies. These haven't even been tested in real world, so who's going to have the leg to stand on to say if this is OP or not? And even still, should it even be included in the game based off what you were saying, Jabbers? Like, 
what 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 time frame are we shooting for that makes this still competitive and again doesn't leave guys out to dry because oh hey the newest toys on the block now we're all screwed i think yeah uh, no, i i agree with you 100 percent, rudder like this is why i was like dude you should end it early cold war like i don't even think charlie amram should be in there it should all be bravos and end it right at the iraq war because then at least that stuff like we can get some information on but once you start getting into like you know 2000s it's just uh, <laughs> i will stop in the 2000 to be honest because uh, i think that's for me the most interesting here i my dream is to see the tornado the tornado will be a very interesting module but i don't know if there is much interest all uh for, for that model there's a ton of interest for the tornado for sure Oh yes, yeah. every European that plays DCS says that. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Uh, what was the company that made that? I had that tornado sim uh, way back. I can't remember the digital interactive or something like that. So but might, might it's be always Italy a because we still use it like uh, in a seed mission. It's still operational for seed. It's actually pretty efficient, and they develop their own system. Um, well, I think Germany uh, still has some of their reserves. I don't know if it fully retired or if it did, it was just like last year or something. I think we retired last year, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think they And did. also UK, I think we retired them. I think it's only Italy and Saudi Arabia still flying some tornado. Well, actually, I got, I got one question related to the the um, the updates here because they've they've announced a couple of new maps like Marianas, and then you've got Razvan working on their Argentinian Falklands map. I love to see the new areas, but I think one of the big kick in the pants that we have, unlike, for example, to bring in another flight sim like IL-2, where you pretty much get the map for free along with a whole bunch of modules, is having to spend 30 to $50 or $60 on a, just a map in an area is just, I, I feel yeah. like such a you know paywall to put up in front of it. Like I'm excited to see it, but I'd rather see that. this stuff free, you know? Or at least ten bucks, but not fucking sorry. Um, um, <laughs> not forty-five. I mean, depend also the change of it. For me, Canadian dollar is a, is a like is a kick because like uh, spending <laughs> above fifty bucks for a map is kind of ridiculous. I mean, the map is awesome. Like Syria is gorgeous, but is it really so worth it? that money like i mean it's like i want to see the like because again i'm i'm in software development uh for you know business side stuff so but i get like all the effort that must go in to that development especially their artwork so i want to see them get paid for it but it's just it's like if you don't have it you're just oh well this server's running it like you just excluded like everyone so everyone always plays caucuses which you know i think is the least pretty map out there right now um and not that there's anything wrong with it but it's just like I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a better business model. You uh, you have seven people in here talking about DCS. You're going to get seven different answers to each <laughs> of these, and that's the great thing. Everybody's th got their spot that they enjoy. I think we are just uh, running the World of Warcraft way, where there is a, a new set release where everyone will be hyped playing that map for like two months, and then it's going to die slowly. Syria actually is doing pretty good, but even um, the performance problem, Syria does pretty good. I I must say, it, it improved a little. It's gorgeous. But it's it's amazing. Map. It's, 
I think it all depends on the map that you get. Like imagine getting Vietnam, which is not in the pipeline, but yeah. I'm, I assume lots of people would fly there and it would be popular for lots of mission makers. I mean, you have a UA, so, so why not? Exactly. But then if yeah. you do the map, Vietnam map, you need uh, the, the Phantom. You have a five, okay, but you need F100. We have some MiGs already, but will be awesome. I'm up for Vietnam too. I will pay for Vietnam map, but my my point is yeah, what we'll terabyte see. of SSD we are going to have in mm-hmm. 10 years if we don't release a new game on the meantime because I have to buy one terabyte dedicated to DCS because I don't have I didn't have much space anymore. Yeah. I mean games in general are games in general are getting that way. Like I mean look at Call of Duty. Call of Duty is 300 gigs now like just uh, just in general artwork is becoming uh very large um and that but guys if if, if you're building missions and so i also have access to the beta testing version of the tcs where i can test things before they are released to check if the missions work and that's full worth of the normal dcs installed the second time there's also the third branch which is even like more in development which you can install so like three dcs's so i have lots of space used yeah i mean i I mean we're all we're all beta testers though like who plays the stable version like that was when i first got into dcs that blew my mind i'm like wait every multiplayer version is on the beta (laughs) what (laughs) i don't know confused um about the mariana's person i'm not too hyped because in the end i think it's just a bunch of water texture with few islands and yeah but it's free but it's free and that's a good thing but I think it's more for a World War II environment than modern combat. Cause... But that's what they're pushing to, anyway. Or at least that's what they've been alluding to. I mean, why put so much work into a World War II damage model if they're not yeah. going to continue it? Especially yeah, with the Corsair. I mean, the Corsairs in work, both of them, both the Jet and the uh, F4U, um, are both in the pipeline by, I can't remember who's doing it, um, Leatherneck, right? Leatherneck's doing uh, Leatherneck's doing the Corsair and the Crusader, the F eight. But yeah, I think it's Flying Iron Simulations. They just announced. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. The uh, A seven or another update on the A seven today. If you guys haven't seen that yet, which is which is I'm super stoked for for both the A seven and the F eight and the F four U. I mean, I I really want to see DCS expand, continue to expand more in the World War Two arena because I feel I just the even though that, that clickable cockpit thing, like whenever I play IL-2, I have to remember where all the stupid key maps are to change your prop pitch and do all this other stuff and manage your governor where, you know, if you have a clickable cockpit, the planes aren't complicated, especially like German ones. They're It's like there's two switches you got to hit. Now I'm like, all right, what was it? Was it control S or left control Y or whatever it is? You're like, you don't fly at my eight, yeah. right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So many yeah, I I do miss the clickable stuff whenever I try IL two. I'm like, uh, what, how do you start the engine? Oh, it's just one button. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> that, it's one that... button, but then it's like they've got that whole engine management where it's like you can yep. only run it for thirty ish minutes or whatnot. Like it just takes a lot of the the soul out of some of that type of flying. I feel like, and it's just I don't know. And I, I again, I still think DCS has got a superior flight model in my opinion. But, I mean even if you look at the gameplay aspects of those in comparison, like IL-2 is about the fighting 
Whereas DCS is about the simulation more so in the sense that, you know, they want to simulate everything where IL2 is, we want to simulate the war. Not so much. Exactly. But I think that should be with the devising line, like for World War II, IL2 for modern combat DCS, I think. Yeah. I mean, ED is going to do what ED is going to do. Obviously it's, you know, uh, Nick, is a World War II guy. He's going to push the World War II stuff. That's his jam, and and he's going to use DCS to do it. And that's fine. You know, if they if they want to do it, then no big deal. There's still a fan base out there. Obviously, people are buying this stuff, so they wouldn't do it at all. <clears throat> I'm one of those. I've, I've bought all the World War II stuff because I love Final it. Final countdown movie. That's all we need to do. <laughs> I, I've I've switched my mindset to um, not buying early access anything so i don't have everything anymore whereas i used to and i still will once it's out of early access i don't mind paying the price for these things because of all the effort that's going into it but so my mindset is uh what's that no apache for you i think next Uh, month they're gonna (laughs) release it's gonna depend on how good it is like uh you know if it's like the f-16 was on launch no but once it's good and actually usable and most of the stuff's there then i might jump into the early access thing i just i can't I don't have enough time to deal with the negative training aspect of it. That's my only gripe. So, no, you know, I agree. I that, that's why I stayed away from the F-16 for over pretty much a year uh, because yep. of just what the launch was. Like, Heepler's early access, I watched your videos, and I was like, I cannot wait for this F-14 because it was pretty much done. So that's a little different, but some that, of the that stuff... Spoiled me. That spoiled me. That should that, be the like way no to joke. do the modules, I think, not like other... Complex. I think it's a financial decision in the end, you know? Yeah, ED, ED has to pay bills. ED has to pay their employees. So they're going to do what they need to do to make sure that continues to happen. And that's fine. But it's still our decision to support that model or not. And How long did it take for it took for a Harrier to be operational and mostly complete? Like five years? Yeah, probably. Look at the Mirage 2000, how many overhauls that's gone through. I think yeah, but like Tomcat took eight, it, right? didn't it? Didn't if I remember Cobra, there was an interview like they did. They spent like two to three years, and then they had to go back and start from scratch. And then, yep, uh, it was another four and a half years. I mean, imagine that. Like you're like me as a small business owner, right? Like you're working and not getting paid. (laughs) So like this is a side job for four to seven years for these small developers. And EDs, yeah, a little bit bigger, but they're under the same pressure. You're just not getting paid for seven years, and then you release it, and you hope to God that people buy it. So like I. I get like, hey, do we support early access or not? But I don't, I don't fault them or think they're jerks for doing it because it's like you, you, you got to make the money come in somehow. And that's where the whole game industry is going with the, the, you know, microtransactions and all that other crap because they just got to keep the money train coming in so they can pay the artists and the developers. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that the, the hard part for them is you got to basically walk the line of how low is the early access bar going to be set for us on every release right and i think i think with the f-16 they lowered the bar as low as they could go and realized that was <laughs> too low and they and they regretted it and but, and i'm i'm pretty sure they're not going to do that again yeah but the lowered, fact that you couldn't lower the bar and they hit the dirt <laughs> when it came when it came out i stopped playing dcs because every pvp server had it and i'm like the only way you can kill this thing is with the phoenix because right. it has no damage model are you kidding me or pilot like, snipe, how, yeah. or, or pilot snipe him with a gun i'm like this is and and I'm like, but all the servers had to have it because if they didn't, then they lose half their population. And I'm just like, right, this is just unacceptable. Like I'm like, this just ruined ruined the game for months. Like I couldn't play. 
didn't right, they right. decide like uh, a standard for a module release that I remember when MiG-15, I think, had some issue. I told Razvan, no, just wait to release it. It's not good enough or something like that last year. Or I'm, I'm I, I don't know. I, I haven't been following. I, I jumped off the, I, I fully jumped off the early access train as much as possible just oh, to was a MiG-19, keep my own hype sorry. down. Not MiG-19. Oh, the MiG-19? Yeah. yeah, I'm with you guys I on think... the F-16. I didn't really like its rollout at all, but... With the Hornet, at least, I felt like it gave maybe people that don't have quite as much time to devote to learning it, uh, you know, a little more time to learn the systems as they came out. Um, well, the, and that's that, the best part about early access is you're given limited systems and limited abilities, and you go, okay, I can I can get as efficient as possible in these because this is all I have. And then the next two weeks go by. Here's a new one. Okay, cool. I got a couple more weeks before the next one comes out. And that's great because it kind of restricts the uh, amount of information is in your right face. because you know, somebody gets an 800 page manual at launch you're going to limit a lot of people yeah, and here's yeah. a, that's that's kind of a double-edged but, but sword though when you think about it because you know you're learning these systems as they come out but there's a lot of shortcuts that are taken to make other systems integrate with you know something that's else on the aircraft negative training and aspect and boom look at look what happened when the tgp started changing over and everything else yep. and now you got new hotel commands even going back to the a10 when they updated to the a10 you know whatever they wanted to call it tank killer everything changed everything changed and now if you are that new guy like yeah i'm learning going up the slope boop you just got dropped off the edge of the cliff yeah that was the thing with mirage i think is a good example for me because i that was my first module getting back into the jets um with this stuff and learn the mirage and then Razvam took it over partnered with the ada and everything changed all the all the commands changed like i still don't I can't remember how to fire the stupid magic missiles anymore. The RWR changed. The RWR changed now too. So it's like all the stuff you used to know that was like muscle memory is now gone. And it's like that negative training, which is, is the frustrating thing. Like if they do it where it's like the Tomcat came out and they, they had to do some little tweaks because like, ah, this wasn't quite right. So I had to fix it. But for the most part, it was additive. So you're always learning the next new thing. And I'm totally fine with that with early access. It's the, yeah, we put in something for uh, for the gun site. It's actually not going to be this, but, you know, we just needed to push this out quickly so that we just yeah. hacked our way around it. Oh, my that's God, I forgot I the gun site. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the stuff that you're just like, don't do that. Yeah, just, that, was, do that. that was awful. <laughs> yeah. I will say, right. too. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, coming up with, you know, we're talking alphas and just my own experience with the 64 coming out, I'm very, very interested to see how many key binds and everything else that people are going to need for their HOTAS because there's the front and back seat, right? Well, front and back seat share the same flight controls, but then the front seat, when you're doing targeting, you have the TDAC, which is where all your switches are for, for the... Uh, the tads for targeting and everything else. There are so many switches and buttons and combinations to do. I don't, I don't really know how they're going to do it. You think it's going to be much worse than the A10? Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Than the A10. Oh, uh, I don't know. It'll still be faster than the A10 though. <laughs> totally true. If it gets, if it, uh, people are going to hate me for saying this, if it gets off the ground, yeah, well, we'll see with Behind, because hopefully Behind will be released before the Apache, because it's been, de- how many times has been delayed? Yeah. They give it the priority to six, uh, 18 and 16 after, and now hopefully it's going to be the time. But... It's uh, it's coming out in April. We don't know what year yet, but definitely April. <laughs> <laughs> well, April they... 1st, right? April 1st? Didn't they write the Q1 or Q2 or something like that? <laughs> that was... 
that was like uh when the 14 was gonna come out and everybody kept asking me and then uh Elgato on one of his streams said, Jabbers told me Monday the 19th. And if you looked at a calendar, there was no Monday the 19th for like three years. Nice. I thought it was all just two That's weeks clever. anyway. That's yeah, very clever. Yeah. I don't even know that he intended that. It was the accidental well, greatness, I guess. My big question will be mostly on the multi crew because I'm pretty satisfied with a UE multi crew, but there's not so many buttons like in a Hind or Apache. So I wonder. Actually, I was gonna. You mentioned all the buttons in the Apache. I, 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 I'm not a, as much of a rotor guy, obviously. Um, but like, is that like you said? There's flight controls in both the front and the back. It's not just a gunner up there, and like, um, redundant. Walking, yeah. It's all. It's fully redundant. I didn't know that. Yep. Hundred percent. I think the goal is if one pilot or co-pilot die, the other could fly back to a. A base or something like that but i am i am really excited to see that module come out because when i got the co 50 i immediately learned why there are two people in that cockpit trying to fly that stupid thing and work the fall just so i can see a tv guided missile flying to my face was always fun i can't wait to howl with a head the left and right with apache that's why i was hoping to do in the hind but apparently you have to wait for apache well um I got to wrap this up, guys. I, we, I'm sure we could go on for another couple of hours. So um, we'll have to have another one of these for sure. Depends on how uh, much alcohol we have left. <laughs> well, we can always buy more. That's the best part. <laughs> uh, but I want to thank you all for uh, stopping by and getting involved in this. This is, this is awesome. I, I've, we've done two of these so far, and each one's been uh, very successful, I think. It's been a lot of fun. So thank you all for attending. No, thanks for including us. This was this was really yeah. Funny. Thanks for sure. having me. I appreciate yeah. it. This was a really cool experience. Awesome. Thanks, See guys. Epic Harkov. We'll go ahead. <laughs> we'll go ahead and do another one of these. Uh, so, uh, for you guys listening, if you want to get involved, uh, we usually stick them up on Facebook. We stick them up on uh, Discord. Uh, you can go ahead and thumbs up and or like or whatever platform, whatever the platform accepts to. Um, you know, raise your hand, say you want to attend. So look for them in the future and we'll do another one for sure. Cause this, I think this one's proven that we could talk for days and uh, have content for a while. So again, thank you all for watching, listening, whatever platform you're, you're on and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to air combat sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite, feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions.